Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warns You About, brought to you by Sales Gravy and Sales Gravy University. I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer at Sales Gravy. And hey, if you are looking to up-level, I mean, we are in Q4 right now. Go over to salesgravy.university. Check out our courses, almost 300 of them. Live instructors on demand. I have a brand new course, Selling with Confidence. My guest today has courses. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's just jump into the show and welcome someone who has not been to this show yet in all this time that I've been at Sales Gravy. Don't know why. Maybe he's afraid of women who your mother warns you about. I He's got an Italian mother, so I think, right? So I think he should be ready for this. I was amiss in not having him here sooner, but he is a busy guy. So let's welcome Keith Lubner from Sales Gravy to the show. Welcome, Keith. <laughs> hey, Gina. I don't know why we haven't done this before, but I don't, maybe I was afraid. I don't, maybe I <laughs> saw the, the title and I said, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to run through that, that, that gauntlet there. I saw other people make it through and people, people have survived and talked and, about it. And some people are missing. So I'm not quite sure what, what, uh-huh. what's going to happen here. So we'll, well, we'll see. you know, our fearless leader, Jeb, made it through this show several times, okay. which is how I ended up at Sales Gravy. So something must be working with it. But you know, for people who don't know who you are, if you could just kind of just give us a, a quick introduction on who you are, your role at Sales Gravy, and what got you to Sales Gravy? I'm curious. I don't even think I know that story. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Okay. So for those that don't know me, I am the, the Chief Strategy Officer, Executive VP of Training and Consulting at Sales Gravy. Basically, I'm, I sit on the training and the consulting side of Sales Gravy, and I have a whole cool, wonderful team of trainers that deliver just awesome, exceptional customer, great customer experiences. They go the extra mile in delivering uh, training around all the content that Sales Gravy has from the classic fanatical prospecting courses to business outcome selling to delivering customer EQ and everything in between there. That's where I sit. I sit on that side of the business. Now, how I got to Sales, it's a kind of an, an interesting uh, question. How I got to Sales Gravy, I've had a couple companies myself, a co- couple consulting firms. I grew up in the technology arena. And about 20 years ago, I started one of the, one of, if not the first, I could say this because, no, I did research at the time. I didn't find many. There probably was some out there. So I'll say pretty close to one of the first channel consulting companies out there. So I would help technology companies develop channels, indirect channels, reseller channels, distribution channels from, from strategy to enabling those channels. And that's where I got to meet Jeb. Jeb and I were collaborating through a mutual friend of ours. Um, his name is Ken Thorson. We were all collaborating on a project one year and doing a workshop all together. And we frankly just hit it off. And we made the comment to one another almost at the very same time. We said, we just want to be around people that we like and that we can do business with and that we're going to have fun. And so Jeb and I just started collaborating more and more. And eventually what essentially happened is I folded what I was doing into sales gravy and took on this role. And the rest is history. <laughs> We've been just catapulting, catapulting forward ever since. So it's, a, it's awesome. a lot of fun. And and I get to work with people like Gina. I get to interface with people like Gina and hang out with people like Gina. And I like that. That's me. I'm a people person. I'm very empathetic. And I like that's the best part of the role that I have. Yeah. And you and I have that majorly in common, the whole empath piece of things. Yeah. Yeah. 
And sometimes it's a detriment to me, Gina, by the way. It's sometimes, Likewise. <laughs> it, yeah, sometimes I'm too empathetic and I have to, and it's hard for me to do this. I have to put my manager hat on and have tougher conversations. And I can't stand that because I'm at the, I'm at the age right now where I just want to do good work, hang out with fun people, do good things and all of that. And I'm so tired of the, the stuff that doesn't contribute to that. So yeah. it's difficult for me because I sit on that side and I got to move sometimes uh, the other way. The good news is, Keith, you've never made me cry. So, <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> but just a little feedback for you. <laughs> oh, that cool. I think I've made it then. <laughs> That's good. <Christine. laughs> mm. So I, yesterday I messaged you and I said, hey, what do you want to talk about? And I always want to know what my guests want to focus on because I want to make it a- about them and spotlight them. This is a big thing that we talk about in improv, make put people first, put them in the spotlight. And your response was so simple because it was simple because your one word response was simplicity. And I just looked at it and I'm like, I don't even need him to say anything else about it. And you made one other response about like how much we could talk about that. And I'm like, simplicity is just such a simple, intriguing concept to to talk about. And I'm just curious what motivated you to want this to be the topic? It, oh, wow. Boy, we have five hours, right? So, okay. We have exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, when you really think about it, and I try, and it's difficult for people to do this, but whenever you look at things in a very simple manner or do things in a simple manner, you tend to have greater outcomes or better outcomes when it's really simple in nature. And it's with everything. When your relationships with your family are simple, they're not complicated. They're not full of drama and all of this stuff. You feel better. When you overcomplicate in business processes, the brain hates it. The brain, And studies show this. This is why I said, let's talk about this. Because studies show when you overcomplicate things, the human brain just, it runs for the hills. Mm-hmm. It can't stand the complexity. But when you make it simple, people lean in and they have a better experience. So when you think about like what we do here at Sales Gravy, right? We train people to sell. Let's not overcomplicate this, everyone. Let's not think like there's some magical way of doing this and it, it's going to take all these algorithms and all, you know, all AI and all this stuff. Let's not overcomplicate it. It's at the end of the day, it's really simple. You're connecting with people. So just connect with those people. Well, pick up the phone. Here's how you do it in a very simple way. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't try yeah. to be witty or logical or this. Just make it simple. And when you make it simple, you win more. Think about all the great sports teams that are out there and the ones that are winning championships. Like the baseball playoffs are happening as we're recording this. Um, and, and I know because your husband <laughs> is a big fan of the any, Phillies. Uh, any, and I'm here in Philadelphia, right? Yeah. So, but when you really look at how these teams made, it wasn't, it was they did very simple things really well. They did the basics really well. They were simple in their approach. Throwing, running, football teams, blocking, tackling, no penalties. It wasn't like this trickster play that they were doing to win the games. All the little things. So they got simple with it. I think that's what we need as a society is we need to really get back to let's just be simple in our approaches with people. Let's just Let's not try to think about a situation and overanalyze it and try to overcomplicate it and and use big, super duper big words and people and all that. Just be simple in our approach. 
because people like that. I like it. Why, why do you think? Why do you think some people overcomplicate it? What's your thoughts on that? Because they want to feel important, yes. and they think that. I mean, think about it. Why do people use big words? Because they want to feel important. They want to. They want people to think that they feel important. But every single time they use big words, the opposite effect happens. The person on the other end goes, "I know what you're doing. You're trying to sound more important than what you are." But when when you use a simple word and you use simplicity in your approach, the person on the other end takes it better. They walk away going, "Wow, that was a really great conversation. That was a really great interaction I had with them. That was a lot of fun because it was simple in our approach." Yeah. We talk a lot about flexing our styles at Sales Gravy, right? Flexing the styles to the people that we're talking to. So what are your thoughts on that when it comes to, right? I may use big words with people that I feel like want to hear big words, even though it might not be my style, but I know it's their style. What do you think about that? It's interesting. So there is a time and a place for this. It's why those words exist, right? It's you need to use them here and there. If it's just to your point, if the person on the other end is somebody that uses those and they thrive on that and they desire that, if you're in sales, your mission is to get the sale. So what do you do? You simply become a chameleon. You become adaptable. Yeah. You just kind of flex over it. Adam Grant writes about this. He did studies about this and he did studies about the power of adaptability. And he actually looked at personalities of salespeople. This is really interesting. And I'm, I'm said, writing the book down. Yeah, the yeah, the introverts, they, and he actually equated it to how much they made per hour, Gene. This is really cool. So the introverts in sales made about $120 an hour. This is across multiple industries and across all of that, disciplines and what, what, and what have you. And then the extroverts in sales, those people dressing for success, running out there, boiler room sort of mentality, things like that. They made $100 an hour. Mm. It's not even a Starbucks latte difference when you look at that, right? And then Adam uncovered in this study a third category that is flexible and adaptable, category called an ambivert. Yes. And that person is chameleon-like. That person, to what you just said, they go into situations and when they meet people, they automatically flex their personality to that person's personality. They're mm -hmm. chameleon-like. So in your case here, if the person is using big words and everything, they may not be using big words, but they get, again, it's very simple. I think about this. All they do is they don't try to force their personality on that person. That's a very complicated process and you never win that process. What they do is they simply say, oh, you're that way. I'm going to be that way. Mm -hmm. And then they flex. Yeah. That person made over $208 an hour, significantly more, right? And all it was, and think about it, it's just simple. It's that I, I recognize you, I flex to you in a sales situation. Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying you disregard who you are as a human, your core tendencies, but if you're in sales, your mission in sales is go get the sale, right? A way of doing that is being really simple in your approach and just flexing to people. If you just flex to everybody you beat, you'll win way more often than you'll lose. You remember the story about the client that I recently landed based on putting a display of Philly paraphernalia in my background. Great example. Right? Yeah. Very yeah. simple. I had all the hats of every team in the background on a call with people from many companies, not just this company in particular. And that engaged a conversation. And next thing, they're a client of ours. 
And last week I had a meeting and an alignment planning meeting with their team. And for the first time, the CEO joined the company and he was super quiet the whole time. And I'm trying to read him because I haven't met him ever. And here he is on the call. And at one point I said, boy, you're really quiet. Is there any thoughts that you have? Any questions that you have? He's like, no, I'm just here to see where my money is going. And I said, fair enough. He's like, and I got to tell you, you operate the way we do. You sent out a meeting agenda this morning. That's how we do things around here. I didn't know that about his personality going in. I didn't know he was going to be there, but I had spent enough time with senior leadership to understand the culture of the company enough that I'm like, you know what? I think I better send out an agenda, which is not something I normally do ahead of time. I'll state the agenda on the call, but I typically don't send an agenda. And in this case, my gut said, send an agenda, not even knowing that stakeholder would be there. Yeah. And think about the the process you went through on that. You were flexing to them. You were flexing to Tim. And that's what I'm getting at with, we think about sales in general, right? Think about personalities and sales. And we tend to like, oh, let me analyze that person and figure out the tactics. And this is what, it's really quite simple when you think about it. If they're that way, you become that way. Let's talk a little bit more. I want to dive a little more into simplicity in sales, but also customer experience in culture. There is a company called Siegel and Gale. I don't know if you're familiar with it. They created something called the Simplicity Index. And this is a yearly ranking of brands with the least complicated experiences. (laughs) There you go. Okay. And their research has drawn some compelling conclusions about the impact of distilled experience. So I thought you would really love this. Simplicity drives love. 64% of consumers are more likely to recommend a brand because of a simple experience. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of that? Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm going to read that. (laughs) Yeah. Think about this. It's. Most of the time when people respond, like, why are you, what, why are you doing business with that company? Why are you doing business with that company? Most of the time, the response is, wow, they make it easy to do business with them. Most of the time, it's that they make it easy for us. And then think about this. If you make it easy, you're not causing like the brain to go haywire and crazy on the end. You're making their decisions so much easier. They're not going to want to leave you if it's easy. You're making it really difficult for them to leave you because it's easy. I do business with them because they make it easy for me to do business with them. And if you think about this from a a sales perspective, you and I and our whole team, we work with salespeople and leaders and individual contributors and how how they're selling. And so much of what I see is that the sales process is complicated. I audit people's calls and... I can hear it in the voice and see it in the eyes of the buyer that they're like, I just can't wrap my head around how to do this. We don't have time to do this, especially in tech. We don't have time to to go through your onboarding. Like they can't wrap their head around how to become your customer because we haven't painted the picture of how easy it is to become the customer. Do you have any advice on that for salespeople? Like how can you get past that objection which is really, I don't know how to become your customer objection. Yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting comment. Again, I go back to simplicity. Just put yourself in their shoes. Look at it from their perspective. 
best way, best thing a salesperson can do when, whenever they're prospecting or at a discovery meeting is slow down to speed up. And what I mean by that is slow down, take a look at it from their perspective. Just envision it just for a minute. What's important to them? Why would they want something? And then when you do that, you automatically are aligning to them. You're automatically aligning to what they want. You're automatically creating a great customer experience for them when you stand in their shoes. The problem most salespeople experience is that they never do that. They never take that leap in, in into the person's shoes. They try to, they get into the mode of, I got to sell this person. I got to sell this person. And the reality is this. And I know I'm going off on a little tangent, Chita, but the reality this is what is we this is what we do here. It's good. Nobody likes to be sold to. Nobody likes to be sold to. You don't like it. I don't like it. Nobody likes to be sold to. They right. want to be hurt. They want to be understood. I've got some opinions on that. I, I want to hear your opinion on this, on how to simplify this. I see it happen too. People, salespeople don't often put themselves in those shoes to understand it. My opinion is that in their discovery process, they don't spend time really listening and having an open, simple conversation that has nothing to do with their discovery questions. That's my opinion. My goal on every discovery call is if I can get them to talk for 20 minutes based on one question I ask, it's gold. This is where mm-hmm. I this is where I feel like is one of my positive attributes that I can get them to like pour out their hearts that I can really understand their pain. What are your thoughts? Oh, and it's human nature for anyone. It's not just in sales. It's just anywhere, right? Think about this. Statistics show that listening accounts for over 40% of a person's job performance. 40. Listening alone. By far the biggest trait. By far. Yeah. So you're dead on with that. You're, this is what we, we tell our team the entire time. When, when we're engaging, listen more, listen more, listen more. Ask a question, listen more, pause, listen. That's, that's sales teams in general, if they do just do a little bit more listening, they'll win more business. And yet, like, and yet so many don't. And it's not like this is some kind of rocket science kind of skill set to, it's like a really simple, basic human thing to listen. That's my point right? Get down to a very simple element here. Yeah. It's not rocket science. It's yeah. all you're doing is you're listening to another person. Yeah. You're not trying to convince them. You're not trying to twist their arm. You're not trying to, you know, they don't want to be sold to, but we salespeople in general have a tendency to come at it with, I know my stuff. I'm going to tell you what you need, right? There's a time and a place for a recommendation after you've listened. Mm-hmm. There's a time and a place for all of that after you've listened. Just listen and you, you'll up your win rates. It's yeah. Simple thing. I think sometimes listening, the lack of listening might have a lot to do with insecurity. Insecurity about maybe product knowledge. Maybe you don't feel as secure about it. So you overtalk it. Insecurity in your own abilities as a salesperson. I think a lot of those things get in the way. I'm going to throw another random fact at you. Simplicity drives sales. This again comes from the Simplicity Index. I think you're gonna you gotta gotta go look that up. Yeah, I'm going to. I'll probably put it in the show notes too. So 55% of consumers are willing to pay more for uncomplicated experiences. Just saying. 
55% of consumers are willing to pay more for uncomplicated experiences. I buy that. Yeah. One of the top companies that came up in this index was Netflix. So if you think about it, like Netflix makes it really easy. Of all the different streaming services out there, I've been a loyal customer to Netflix. And we've talked about this as an example in selling the price increase. Mm-hmm. Even though they keep increasing their prices, I keep paying because it's so simple to use it. Yeah, because we feel good. We feel at ease. We're not going through all this stress, this cognitive stress around the experience. It's yeah. an easy experience and we desire that as humans. We desire those easy experiences with things like that. In some regards, think about how Apple built their business. Simplicity all the way through. Now, do you get frustrated every now and then when you're trying to do an update or where the, yeah, but like when you first get a computer with them, it is out of the box, open up the computer and you're basically go. And years ago it, with computer companies, it wasn't like that. They looked at it like we have to make this experience super easy for people, super simple for people. Yeah. Not well, complicated. I'm so happy you brought up Apple. I have another stat for you. Since you love stats too, so it's perfect. 1% of consumers admit they would switch to a competitor with an easier experience. So it's critical for businesses to prioritize simplicity and earn customers' trust and loyalty long-term. So they use Apple as an example. When Apple first introduced the iPhone in 2007, it didn't have a copy and paste function. BlackBerry offered it, but... Remember the Blackberries? I used to call it Crackberry. (laughs) Blackberry offered it, but Apple decided it wasn't necessary and shipped the phone away and sold millions of devices. It was a simple device for their customers to use. Limiting functionality was not an easy decision for the team to make, but it showed how simple wins customers. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's an interesting stat, though. You think about it. 61. So it's a majority of people, a majority of people when you uncomplicate it. Now, that's the customer experience, but think about it. It's uncomplicated with your approach to dealing with people. Let's go back to what you said in the beginning, right? Big words, complicated words. It causes this cognitive function, this stress in somebody's head, like, ah, big words. What does that word mean? What does this mean? What does that mean? They don't want that. They just want to know, like, Give, give me the lowdown. Like, what's happening? Help me understand what, what, this, what is this going to do for me? I got to tell you a funny story. This is a story I'm, I want to start practicing to use in different training scenarios. So I'm on the road last week. I go to pick up my car from a, deal, from a car dealer. I won't name names, but I'll just say it hurt me a little bit. And I go to pick up my car and I had confirmed it ahead of time. I had Because I actually tried to change the dates on it. I paid for it in advance. I go pick it up. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I have a 90-mile drive to make. And they're like, we're sorry. We can't give you your car. You're on the do not rent list. You're on the do not rent list? <laughs> Which, by the way, do not rent DNR. They're not, yeah. You're basically dead to them. Could not give me an answer. Just gave me, wrote down a phone number on an index card. Man, please step out of line and go call this number. And I'm in a small town in a, at a small airport with a 90-mile drive to make. So I start to make the call, and I'm being thrown through the f- phone loops. 
And then I'm like, I better just first go find another car. So I'm going from desk to desk, sold out. I finally find a minivan. I'm like, I'll take it. I get that situated. I call back to find out what is this do not rent list? Why am I on it? What happened? I'm And I literally am calling the suspension line. And they're like, yeah, you willfully damaged a car last year. What car? Where was I? What are you talking about? I rented one car last year. I'm like, we can't tell you that. You're going to have to call the claims department. I call the claims department. They're like, we need a we need a documentation number for the last car you rented. I'm like, I don't know. Like they literally kept sending me through these loops and nobody could answer me. And I'm like, this is maddening. And I call my husband and I'm like, could he's being a cop and investigator. I'm like, could you go figure out why I'm on the DNR list? It doesn't matter at the moment. I just need to get a car and I need to and I need to get my money back, which was a whole other customer service nightmare. Still don't know why I'm on the list. My husband's made about 10 phone calls, has gone through phone loop after phone loop. I go do a Google search on like, do you know, what does this mean? Do not rent list. And this is a common thing in the car rental business, believe it or not, where people end up on this list and can't get off it, can't get answers. It's a complicated process. And ultimately, you know what happens? The customer is no longer your customer. Yeah, that's right. Because it's so complicated. And I'm like, this is sad. This is sad. Like, they just don't care? I don't know. No, absolutely. You you hit the nail on the head. It was the complicated process that they brought you through. And your frustration levels just boiled up, boiled it up, and then went over. Right? Right. All because it it wasn't simple. Wasn't simple. how could they have changed that, Gina? Let's give our give, give yeah. the listeners here. How could they have changed that? It, it sounds simple, and yet it gets overcomplicated in these layers, right? Equipping your people, right? So you've got front-facing people who are standing there. I don't know, you're on the list. That would be a simple, in my mind, putting the notes in there. This customer is on a do not rent list because ABC. And these are the next steps they can take to get off the list. That would be step one. Let's say they don't do that. They send me to make the call. Well, the person I'm calling should then have those answers and tell me how to get off the list. They weren't equipped with that information. They sent me to the next line. The next person, here's your chance, third time. This person should be equipped and empowered to provide you with the answers to not lose you as a customer. That's that. Those are simple strategies to me. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it, it, it's you, what you're outlining there. You're outlining a couple of different things. You're outlining the people aspect of it. and You're outlining the process aspect of it. Right. So people and processes run companies. So with the people, you can have all the best processes in the world. But if you're not instilling the that attitude or culture with the people, processes don't go anywhere. So it's it's two prongs here that you have to absolutely nail. Make the process as simple and then empower the people to do the right thing in situations like that. The last part of this is probably a leadership you know, thing. Yeah. Right? Because you need to empower the managers to let the people know that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to make decisions. It's okay to try to do the right thing. And you want to encourage that. You want to encourage 
and The Failing. I'm reading this great book and I can't remember the darn name of it right now, but it's a great book around failure, learning from failure. In fact, uh, I'll have to like, it's up on my desk in my office right now. Is it fail, is it fail fast? Maybe. It's, it's, it's along the lines though, but it's so incredibly incredible because it talks about different types of failure. And, and there's failure that is big time failure. So think of the, and the author calls it a certain thing, but think about it. It's like a complex failure. Think about like the space shuttle. And in fact, when the space shuttle blew up 30 years ago, whatever, that's a massive failure. That's a failure you cannot come back from, basically. That's a huge, lives were lost, all of that. That's a big complex failure. But then there's little failures that you always can come back on, always come back from, and you learn from. What you're talking about is the little failures. If the person makes a decision and messes up a little bit, what's going to happen? You're going to be happy, right? You're going to, because somebody's listening to you. Yeah. And they didn't do the right process. They learn from that process and they grow from that failure. And now that's a concept of, when you think about it, you learn a lot more from your failures than your successes. It's because when you fail at something, you become myopically focused on correcting that in the future. Therefore, you put a lot of emphasis on it. When you just win at something, you're like, you don't look back and say, I, I, I learned from it. You're like, I won. Best teams do this. And it's a really, it, so it comes back to a cultural thing, right? It's okay to fail. Just don't fail big time. And then you have to outline what does big time mean, right? And then everything else is okay. Yeah. And maybe also from a leadership perspective, now you and I are big on this, like creating a customer experience, right? A, an amazing customer experience is when you're like, hey, you're on the do not rent list. These are usually the reasons why I don't have access to all that information about you. Here's some next steps for you because I know you need a car and you're in the middle of nowhere. You know, Uber does run from here. Like some kind of like, give me something to walk away with. Like you see my face, I'm like, I got a 90 mile try. And they're just, they're, that, that's it. We're shut down. Here you go. Get out. Imagine the difference you could make in just giving me some other solutions where I'm like, you know what? Still not happy with them, but they did the best that they could to give me a solution in the moment. And then I can go work it out with them. Yeah. You stepped into their shoes and you looked at it from their perspective. That's what they need to do, right? Yeah. You know, step into Gina's shoes and, and sit on the other side. Like, how would you feel in this moment here? Right. And then start articulating. Now, are you going to solve it right there? No, but you're going to make Gina feel better. And if she feels better, isn't that what you want from yeah. a customer experience perspective? Yeah. And that probably would have at least kept me considering my loyalty to that company. Right. And right now it's like, they're not even giving me an option to be loyal to them. Because they won't rent for me. They won't let me rent. So I can't even, I can't even give them a second chance. They won't even, they won't let me give them a second chance. This is what's, this is what's maddening. Yeah. And this simple approach again, I'll give you an example of yesterday this happened. I ordered some, some golf related merchandise, ball markers, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I had some sayings put on the ball markers and all that. I want to give it away to clients and all of that. And I ordered it last week and it came yesterday and they spelled, <laughs> this is so funny. They spelled the saying on the back end. So it's a ball marker that has two sides. And one side I had the sales gravy logo. And on the other side, 
I had I wanted them to to sit to write down. <laughs> this is so funny. I wanted them to write down pipe is life. So it's a cool marker. Like yeah. one side logo, one side pipe is life. Pretty like cool. People, it's a great saying we have here at Sales yeah. Gravy. And it's so true. Like get the markers. And I'm like a little kid. I'm opening up the, the package. I'm like, I can't wait to send this out to clients. They're going to love this. They're going to love it because a lot of them are golfers and all of that. And my son was in, in, my son was visiting. He was in the other room. I go, check these out. And he looks at him and he starts laughing. Why are you laughing? Like, they're, they're cool. He goes, dad, read it. And I, I flipped the marker over and it says, Pike is life. <laughs> yes. All these markers. <sighs> Pike is like, and my son goes, do they like the fish, dad? <laughs> do they oh like, my do the story, do the story. Like, like the fish. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. And every one of them, you're right. So I got to get on the phone with them, right? So I walk into my office, I get on the phone, I call, call them up and, and I've ordered from them before and I, I get to my rep, his name is Ryan. I go, he's like, hey, Keith, how you doing? Did you get yourself? Okay, yeah, we, I think we have a problem here, Ryan. He's like, what's the problem? I said, here's the problem. And I told him, he goes, that's a problem. <laughs> he goes, that's a problem. 45 seconds, it was resolved. Talk about simple. It wasn't, oh, we have to go, let me show you the proof of the logo and blah, 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 blah. It was, this is what you want. I go, yeah, it's easy to say pipe, not pipe <laughs> is life. He goes, all right, gotcha. We're going to ship that out right away for you. A minute later, I get an email saying, just wanted to confirm, pipe is life. Had a little logo on there, pipe is life. Just respond back and we're good. Respond it back. It was probably in total about three minutes, I would imagine, between my phone call, my conversation, his correcting it, and the email back. Now talk about a big snafu. Like they messed up. And they and all they said was, we're going to take care of it. It's on us. We're shipping it right back out to you. Nothing like extra charges, nothing like send it back to us. Nothing like, what are you going to do with Pike is life? Like, you're not going to do anything with those. Right, right, right. Nothing around that, right? Nothing around that. You could, you, sh you could use them and go hit them into the water. That, that's a, yeah. So like for another time, I'm, I'm going to go like to my friends at fish and go, here you go. <laughs> exactly. You're going to like, Pike is life. Like, yeah, you like Pike, you like fish, Pike is life. <laughs> It was the funniest thing. But again, but, uh, simple. They, 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 simple. Like the, the resolution was simple. Just, they, he yeah. hurt me and corrected it. So simple. And there's some great companies out there that really practice this culture with their teams as well. I spent three days at Zappos.com a few years ago and I attended one of their culture camps because I wanted to see how they do what they do from a culture perspective, because they are amazing at culture and how they recruit and retain employees. And I got to shadow employees and watch them interact with customers who call and say, my shoes didn't come. And the employee saying, no problem. I'm going to send you a new pair and a coupon for a free pair of shoes and very seamless and get off the call. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm really jaded here. Like, how do you know how do you know there were no shoes in the box? Like, how do you know they're not lying to you? And she's like, it's not my, not my place to ask that question. All I know is that the mission of this company is to give the best customer experience. And core value number three says, and I was like, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. They, they live that life, which kind of brings us full circle to training and training your people on these systems. Yeah, yeah. 
It does. It brings us all the way back to my response back to you yesterday with simplification. And it, simplification is the basics with anything. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what you're training, but if you get really good at the basics of anything, you win the majority of the time. Yeah. The basics always win. If you get really good at the basics, they always win. Every now and then it could be like this think about sports, right? Every now and then it could be this complicated like flea flicker of a football play or whatever. And they, they win the game. They run the band over like every now and then. But it's such an outlier. The basics always win. It may be yeah. boring, but the basics always win. I'm happy you brought up boring and I'll leave this kind of as a final thought. I'm in the middle of reading a book called Mastery by Robert Greene. And he talks about the importance of focus on the things that you do. Focus to the point of you're bored with it, right? And we, some of us get bored really easily and we need the next shiny thing, but you can't master anything unless you practice it over and over and over and over again. And as bored as you get with it, what you don't realize is that you're actually mastering something and becoming excellent at something. And that was, it's not like I didn't know it, but I don't know, it hit me over the head of like, when I get bored with something, just keep it simple. And I, I think about that too, with some of the, the training I do for a while, it felt like a little repetitive. And now I'm like, I love this because I've mastered it, not fully mastered it. I tweak things. I always want to look at making things better, but the more I do certain types of curriculum, the repetition of it is what makes me better. Here's what it also does. And I found that too, is it gives you confidence in yes. order to make the experience better for people. So when you focus on the simple things and you're just, you're repetitive and it may be boring, but you inject yourself with the confidence so that when you get into the, and we hear this all the time, don't we, Gina? Like that was a great experience. You, you flexed to, to my company. You made it about us. You did this. And it's not like we did anything out of the norm Mm -hmm. with people. It was, we have practiced this and we're in the delivering experience and we're able to have the confidence to flex and bring, our founder does this brilliantly. That's his super, one of his superpowers is he's able to flex in that moment with people and really pull out something that's super impactful. They walk away going, wow, it's because of, of what you just said. We practice it, the confidence comes across and we're able to, to pivot um, appropriately. Everybody on our team does that. Everybody yeah. on our team does that really well. Funny story and we'll wrap up. So years ago, which is what led me to Sales Gravy, Jeb had been on my podcast a few times and then my producer reached out to his people and got me on to his podcast. And so I don't know if you ever heard this story. So he shows up, he's in his studio, I'm in my studio, it wasn't a studio, but you know, I was podcasting where I was podcasting from. He's getting all prepared and right. I didn't work there at the time. I don't know what's behind the smoke and mirrors and he's put his mic on and he's like, all right, I'm ready. I'm like, I'm ready too. There's like a standoff. It's like, who's interviewing who? Who's, am I on your show or are you on my show? I'm like, Jeb, you were just on my show two weeks ago, so I'm on your show. And he goes, how did you get on my show? Nobody gets on my show. I'm like, I don't know. I guess I'm good in sales. My my people talk to your people. Here we are. And he's like, okay. He didn't prepare for it because he thought he was being interviewed, right? Right. Now here he is. That man 
in two seconds, ready to go. And it was brilliant because my insides were like, right? Like anybody would, I'm like, oh my God, she doesn't want me here. I've just interrupted his day. I feel terrible. But he was so masterful at rolling with an interview that he did not prepare for that you would, the second he rolled into it, all of a sudden I was like, I don't feel yeah. so bad. He just pivoted that quickly. And that, that's sort of the point here is that you got to be able to do that and, and you got to keep it as simple as possible for people. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's a good, that's a good ending story, Gina. Yeah, I can't, I, that one. I'm sorry. I thought you would enjoy that. This was a great, <laughs> this was a great conversation about simplicity. How was your first experience on The Women Your Mother Warned You About? It was flawless. It was yeah. simple. Hmm. It was comfortable. Think about in our interactions. We made it comfortable and simple. My brain is not going haywire right now. Like, this was fun. Exactly. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> Good. Good. Maybe now you feel confident enough to come back and you know what you're walking into. I will. Yes. It's not as intimidating as people think. <laughs> they don't think that. They don't think that. They don't think that. Some people do. Not everybody. Awesome. Thank you for taking the time to be here today on The Women Your Mother Warned You About. Thank you for being you. And thank you for all that you do. So thank you. Glad to be here. Awesome. It's time to wrap up the show. Thank you to our listeners for listening to the show. And you can watch this on YouTube now. So go check that out. Real easy to go to womenyourmotherwarnsyouabout.com and then you can find our YouTube channel and our social media channels. Also check out salesgravy.com. And of course, Sales Gravy is our sponsor. So you have to go check out salesgravy.university. There is nothing like it. And I know I might be a little biased, but there really is nothing like it. Someone yesterday asked me for an opinion on somewhere to send his person for live sales training in person because he's old school. Yeah, I went down a path to do some research for him. I'm like, there's nothing out there. I'm like, and I sent him to Sales Gravy because we have the best value for what we provide. So go check that out. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time.